The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be seated. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in my sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. I was on a Zoom call a few weeks ago, and the icebreaker for this meeting was, what holiday or cultural celebration is your favorite? And I replied, honestly, my favorite is whichever one we happen to be celebrating. And at the time, we were close to the Ascension, so I briefly talked about my appreciation for that celebration. But today, today we celebrate what is probably my favorite holiday in all the church year. So many things are coming together. So many threads are connecting. Pentecost just delights my inner geek. And I'll try not to geek too much, but I hope you get a taste of the beauty of what is going on in Jerusalem almost 2,000 years ago. That you also get a glimpse of what Pentecost means for us today. In our narrative from Acts, we join the disciples some 10 days after Jesus has brought them outside of Jerusalem, up on a hill. He's commanded them to wait and to stay in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, the promise of power from on high, that they may be witnesses of the kingdom in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascends into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. And the disciples go back to Jerusalem to wait. And so we find them there in Jerusalem, all in one place, ready to celebrate Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. Seven weeks they count after the Passover. And on the 50th day, or in the Greek, on Pentecost, this is the feast which came to be a celebration of the giving of the law as Moses gathers the people at Mount Sinai. And the Lord descends upon the mountain in fire and smoke and thunder and trumpet blast. 
the Lord makes a covenant with the people. He promises, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So the hundred and twenty or so followers of Jesus are gathered to celebrate Shabbat. Perhaps they're even reading from the Torah about Moses and Israel coming before the Lord at Sinai, and all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord descends upon them, not on a mountain, not to give a law written in stone, but to fulfill what was promised through the prophet Jeremiah. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not the covenant I made with them and their fathers on the day when I took them out of the hand, took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. And the Spirit of the Lord descends as tongues of flame on each of those who are gathered. They begin to speak as the Spirit gives them utterance. And those who are gathered in Jerusalem for Shavuot, Jews and proselytes from the nations, those who had been scattered in the diaspora, the descendants of exile living among the descendants of the nations that were scattered at Babel. They each hear the good news of the kingdom of God in their own language. This is the way of the Spirit, the way of reconciliation and restoration. So let's talk for a moment about the Holy Spirit. In the creed each week, we affirm our belief that the Holy Spirit is the Lord and the giver of life. We hear in Genesis, at the creation, the Spirit of God hovers over the waters. We hear that as the human one is formed from dust, the Lord breathes life into humanity. From the very beginning, the breath, the ruach, the pneuma, the Spirit of God has given life to humanity. And in John's beautiful prologue, we hear about the Logos, the word that becomes flesh as Christ is made incarnate. The Logos, the logic of all things. The word is formed in the noose, the mind or the imagination of the Father. And when the word is spoken, it is carried forth on the breath. Noose forms the conception of all things. The Logos pulls all things into order. And the breath, the pneuma, carries forth that word into all creation. That breath of the Spirit into all creation. All that is life is in all that has life 
this way. The Spirit is intrinsic to all that is. The Spirit of God is not something outside of creation. The Spirit of God actually inhabits all of creation. We live in an inspirited creation. All that happens from the mundane to the miraculous is the work of the Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. We continue in the creed as we proclaim that the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Yet another image that tries to grasp the mystery of the triune God. In this image, we see the Son is eternally begotten by the Father. And the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. And this love between the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Father, is actually manifest. This divine love becomes the third person of the Trinity. It's from this eternal manifestation of divine love that all of creation explodes and is brought forth into temporal existence by the Holy Spirit. And again, we find ourselves dwelling in an inspirited creation, surrounded by love. We go on to affirm that it is in and through the Holy Spirit that we are able to worship this triune God. It's the Holy Spirit that allows our mortal understanding to glimpse the glory of God, to stand in awe and wonder, to tremble before the Almighty, what scriptures call the fear of the Lord is a gifting of the Spirit. And along with this gift of encountering the might and power of God, the Spirit also gives us the gift of worship, the ability to delight in the presence of the Lord, to be overwhelmed by love. Along with this gift of awe and wonder, reverence and delight and worship, we receive from the Spirit knowledge and wisdom and understanding, godly counsel and holy strength. Indeed, the Holy Spirit, along with the Father and the Son, is worthy of worship and glory. Then we acknowledge that in the prophets, we do not hear the voice of mortal men, but instead we hear the Spirit speaking through them revealing the character and nature of God, warning, inspiring, directing, inviting. This same voice pours forth from those gathered in Jerusalem as they begin to speak in other tongues, in other ways as the Spirit gives them utterance. And that same voice was heard by those gathered even in the midst of all the noise and chaos, each one hearing them speak in his own language. And it's that same voice that speaks through Peter as he proclaims the truth of God to the people of God. When, when Peter finishes speaking, it's the Holy Spirit that has moved in those who have heard, touching deeply their hearts, as Luke writes. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Baptize. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. On that day in Jerusalem, almost 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit formed the one holy Catholic and apostolic church that we proclaim in the creed. 
And the witness of this church spread from Jerusalem and Judea through Samaria, even to the ends of the earth, even to San Antonio, Texas, on this very day. And to this very gathering, the same Spirit draws us into the love of God and moves our hearts. Peter proclaims that this gift of the Holy Spirit, this promise, is for all. Those who are present in Jerusalem, their children, those who are far off, anyone that the Lord calls to himself. We learn more about this promise from Jesus as he reassures the disciples gathered on that last night. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, helper and advocate, the one who convicts and the one who comforts. We heard in our gospel conversation, our gospel lesson, part of this conversation as Philip asked Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus responds with his mission. You've been with me all this time. I've proclaimed the truth of the Father to you, and you still say, I don't know the Father. Jesus promises the Holy Spirit is the way that this mission continues in his followers. See, just as Adam and Eve are created to image God to all creation, Jesus came to redeem and restore that image to reveal the true character and nature of God to fallen humanity. Jesus says to Philip, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And this work, this revelation of the Father continues as the spirit of truth dwells within each of us. We image the Son who images the Father to the whole world. Peter takes up this theme as he writes to the church at Corinth. You, you, the church gathered, are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Paul goes on and describes the way of the spirit in the church. He tells, it, tells us that the spirit gives a variety of gifts for the common good, and that these gifts are complementary and interdependent, working together so that the fullness of God is imaged in community as we are filled with love. Paul describes the way that the Spirit gives to the church apostles, prophets, teachers, pastors, and evangelists to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, so that the church grows into the fullness of the image of Christ. Paul describes the work of the Spirit in each of us, bringing forth love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Spirit at work in us, bringing forth the fruits of the Spirit. And so we have this beautiful vision of the church. People from all nations formed by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ is the fullness of the image of God, manifesting the kingdom of God in expectation of the coming fullness of the kingdom. 
with the return of Christ. When the Spirit and the Bride say together, come. And the ones who hear say, come. And those who are thirsty, come. And all those who desire, take the water of life. And then we look at the headlines, and we look in the mirror. We began our journey through Eastertide with Cleopas and his friend, coming to the realization of the difference between what we had hoped and what God has planned. Now at Pentecost, as our journey through the liturgical calendar transitions from recalling the life of Christ to participating in the ongoing life of the church during ordinary time, we come now to see the distance between what God has planned and what we have done. In his infinite love, God has planned to rescue us from bondage to sin and death, to remove our heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh upon which he has written himself so that he dwells in us and we dwell in him no longer having to tell one another, know the Lord, because the Lord will be known among us by the Spirit. Yet we resist. Perhaps instead of reading the law in our hearts, we set forth a law written not on our hearts, but in our books and our doctrines, a law of certain acceptable and unacceptable behaviors, usually according to the general rule that what we do is okay and what those other people don't is sinful and detestable. Or we move in the opposite direction, into the other extreme, and think that everything is just fine with ourselves, that anything goes, that I'm not broken, I don't need healing. Either way, we build up a way of resisting the transformation Spirit brings. But the Holy Spirit calls for us and invites us to bear witness as a church, to be formed and molded, not into the ways of the culture around us, but into the image and likeness of Christ. The Spirit calls out to each of us, inviting us to step into what God has planned. As we say yes to the Spirit, we are transformed. We resist and say no to the invitation. We grieve the Spirit. The Holy Spirit also cuts us to the heart, revealing the lies we have believed, the idols we have followed, the ways in which we rebel against God. The Spirit of truth convicts us with the truth, calls us to turn away from death into life, from darkness to light, from lies to truth. We heed this call to repentance. The Spirit heals us, comforts us, gives us strength and transforms us. When we resist, we call the truth a lie. We call God a liar. We blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And there is no healing or comfort or transformation as we choose our own brokenness over the fullness that God has offered. So on this day, as we celebrate the manifestation of the one true God among his people, I pray that by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, 
we will come into the fullness of worship, experiencing together the mighty power and infinite love of the triune God. I pray that we may have eyes to see, that we may look with wonder at the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in the miracle of this inspirited creation and in the beauty of the church formed by the Spirit into the likeness of Christ. I pray that we may have ears to hear the voice of the Spirit calling us into truth, inviting us into repentance and healing, empowering us to service. I pray that we will have hearts that are turned to God, yielding to the transforming work of the Spirit, that we may be indeed healed and made whole. In the mighty name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.